Hello, everybody, and welcome into the MVP show here on VIC Radio or in podcast form, however you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. I'm John Vicari alongside Brennan Miller and Dan Bazante. Boys, it feels back to be – it feels good, I should say, to be back. It feels on- back to be good. You're right. Yeah. It, it feels good to be back on the VIC <laughs> airwaves. It's, it's been a long time, but we are here in some form. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's back to be good. Uh, <laughs> loving it. Being able to talk about some sports. I missed it. Yeah, I think the over-under for me making a mistake was like two or three minutes, and I shattered that in the first No, that minutes. was like five seconds. Wow. <laughs> on the intro. Yeah. Hey, that's how the best do it. They get their mistakes out of the way first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty to talk about, and we've you know we've been away for so long in terms of being on VIC. You know, you got the Giants and the Jets now entering Week Four, both with no wins. The Jets 0 and 4 after losing Thursday night. The Giants 0 and 3 after losing to a San Francisco 49ers team that was just decimated with injuries, but got blown out by them. So New York football isn't looking too good. Uh, you know, you had the news this week of Henrik Lundqvist uh, with the buyout. But I want to start with, I guess, you know, the only positive stuff going on in terms of New York sports, and that's the New York Yankees. This week they advance in the wild card series, sweeping the Cleveland Indians to nothing scoring. Double-digit runs in both games defeat the Indians 12-3 in game one, and then 10-9 in game two, which, Brennan, was an epic. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. I, we both stayed up. It, it, like – for it to be for me to say that I watched the longest regulation length baseball game in the history of the major leagues, and it's been going out since what, like 1864 or something. Like we watched that game, four hours and fifty whatever minutes of major league playoff baseball, and I love it. And also, yeah. I just want to preface before we get into this: uh, there's this isn't the only good thing going on in New York sports. I think we Dan. I think can attest to the fact that, you know, there is another New York sports team that has been doing pretty well. So let's just throw that out there. Yes. I'm sorry. The bills just sort of don't register in my neck of the woods, but it is a good point that the bills are undefeated this season. And, you know, we'll touch on NFL (laughs) at the end of the show uh, as Dan has a smile on his face, but yeah, the Yanks 2-0 over the Indians and, in that game, Brent, there's a lot. We could break down this game for a whole half hour. We're not going to, you know, use our time allocated to do that. But just a great game all around. And what scared me going in, and, we, you know, we discussed this, was one, Mashihiro Tanaka in a game two, in a clinching game. And it was thrown his way right away, difficulty. It was a rain delay to start, so he had to get pushed back. And then pitched the first inning in terrible conditions. And then another rain delay on top of that, and still – had five innings uh, pitched uh, against the Indians and did allow four runs, but kept the Yankees in it to a fact that they didn't start out great, but they were down 4 nothing, then 4-1, and then Gio Urshela put them up 5-4. to four. But it was a, a fine enough start from Tanaka. And then the other thing was just the offense going cold because we've seen it, Brennan, in uh, postseasons of past, but the offense has come to play so far in the postseason. Yeah, I want to talk about Tanaka a little bit because I, after that first inning where he came out, and the weather was terrible. I mean, if you were watching that game at all, you could see his jersey just pinned to the back of him because the wind was blowing so hard. Um, he gives up two runs in the first inning. And then after that, up until the final, the last thing he pitched, he was lights out. They, they, the Indians couldn't touch him. So a great performance out of Tanaka, which is exactly what the Yankees needed. Um, obviously, you put your number one guy out there for the first game in Cole. And then after that, there's some question marks. 
but Tanaka showed why he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers uh, in the history of the game. And you talk about the offense too. Gio obviously with the grand slam against his former team that he really couldn't get a foothold with. So that's got to feel pretty good. And then Gary Sanchez with the <laughs> lazy pop fly to right field that just happened to just keep carrying and carrying and then land in the, in the, in the seats and right. But that ball was up there for about six seconds before it actually came down. So it's good to see the offense getting a little bit of groove and I think they're going to need it against uh, a pretty good pitching staff that they're going to face here in the divisional round as well. Yeah, and I think that Sanchez home run would have been out in Yankee Stadium too, but Cleveland, not necessarily the easiest part to hit a home run out of, but the weather. Would have been a second decker in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, uh, definitely. It, that, it did have the height, and uh, yeah, just a great offensive display. And even though there wasn't a couple of players, I mean, Urshela performed in both games and Glaber to an extent, but it wasn't like there was two uh, games in a row in which a player was, you know, phenomenal for the Yankees, but everyone in the lineup at least contributed in these two games. There wasn't someone who was a non-factor, uh, you know, obviously might have had a better game one than game two performance, but everyone contributed. And obviously, because when you score uh, 20, what was it, 22 runs in two games, you're going to get that offensive production. Now we, we had to wait a little bit too. I mean, DJ LeMahieu is the league leader in batting average in that second game. I think he was 0 for 5 coming up to his last plate appearance. And then he pumps the single down the middle, uh, scores two runs, gives the Yankees the lead in the, in the top of the ninth. So we had to wait. Uh, Luke Voigt had a double late in the game. Uh, we had to wait for him. I think that was his only hit of the day. So even though it came at the, these hits come at the end of the game, it's good to see the Yankees start to heat up as we get towards the end, the, the later innings being the most important ones. And it proves that even on a day where – the bullpen maybe isn't as reliable. Obviously, you never want to give up nine runs in a playoff game. The offense can pick them up and, and put runs on the board, give them the lead, and then leave it for those back-end bullpen guys who have been pretty consistent uh, this regular season and postseason and give them an opportunity to win the game for the, for the Yanks. Yeah, you touched on it going into my next question and what we were going to discuss, the bullpen. That is my one concern going into the series against the Tampa Bay Rays. The series starts on Monday, time to be determined of this recording, probably will be in prime time. It is the New York Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. Probably, I would say, the two best teams in the American League playoffs thus far. Obviously not the terms in seeding, but in play. But that's my concern going into this Rays series. Does the bullpen have enough? The guys who pitched in game two performed to an extent, but the Yankees didn't use Adam Adovino. I don't think trusted him in a big role. And Jonathan Lewisica cannot be your top righty out of the bullpen. No, uh, I think that when you, when you look at the bullpen, Chad Green obviously came in and gave up the double uh, that plated the last two of Tanaka's uh, earned runs, which you hate to see that. But we were texting during the game and you were talking about how well Tanaka performed. And then I sent a text that said <laughs> about a minute later that said, well, it's a shame he's not going to get the decision in this one because now it's a 4-4 ball game. But I just said, it's a 4-4 ball game. When Tanaka leaves, those are the last two runs credited to him, and then it ends up being 10-9 by the end. So obviously the bullpens for each side were giving up runs. And if you're the Yankees, that's what you pride your, prided yourself in, uh, the strength of the bullpen coming into the season. So to see them give up five runs uh, in those later innings is a little bit of a concern. I was watching uh, MLB Network this morning, and they were talking about how one of the key players – in this, in this uh, divisional round against the Rays is going to be Adam Adovino, as you mentioned, because he's a guy that up until 
middle of the season this year was one of that those back end guys, maybe a fifth or sixth inning guy that you would use to get up to the setup men, to get up to uh, Chapman to finish off the game in the ninth. But he's kind of fallen out of the circle of trust. At some point this series, he's going to have to pitch in a critical inning. You're playing five games, supposedly. You're, it's a five-game series against who has been the best team in the American League. So he's going to have to throw at some point, and it's going to come down to a high-pressure situation where he is going to have to step up and, and throw a good inning. Yeah, and the term people throw around in baseball vernacular nowadays are these high-leverage pitchers, which means they have to perform in high-leverage opportunities. But it's a word that fits, and it's what Ottavino was brought in to do, as you mentioned, but didn't get the chance to in the wild card series. And final thing, just looking at this race series, just really two things. Garrett Cole gets to uh, pitch in game one with the rest, but it's five games in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday which, uh, you know, I like, but there is no rest day in between due to travel because they will all be in the same location. All the games will be in the same location in San Diego. So does the Yankees go to Garrett Cole in two or three games? They obviously is going to start because he'll be on short rest, even if he appears in a second game in a game five and potential clincher. Obviously, of course, ideally, you don't want him. You want him to pitch game one to not going to win game two and then Hap or Garcia to uh, win game three or even Montgomery, whoever they're going to go with in, in game three. But this is a very, uh, you know, good raised team. They were the top dogs in the American League. So do you think that the Yanks could get more games out of Garrett Cole? And how I think an ideal situation, um, at least if it were my perspective, if I'm Aaron Boone, I'm looking at a game one where Garrett Cole pitches five innings maybe. The Yankees go out, grab a lead. You throw in Montgomery for three and then have – you know, one of those front end of the bullpen guys, whether it be Loisaga uh, or someone like that, come in and finish the game off there. So maybe the workload isn't that strong for Garrett Cole, but again, that relies on the offense being able to put up runs early in the ball game. And if that, if that situation occurs in game one, then you can maybe throw him out there for a full length start in game five. I don't think he comes back for game four on three days rest, but I think if you can get him for five innings in a game five, obviously you'd love to have a guy like that who has shown that he can pitch in the playoffs, as he did last year with the Houston Astros, you'd love to have him in a, in a game clincher. Obviously, this changes depending on who wins the first one, two, three, four games. If the, if the series doesn't go to five, if game four ends up being the game where the Yankees or the Rays can clinch the series and move on to the championship series, you're going to see some big arms in that game, whether it be Cole, whether it be Paxton, whether it be whoever they, or whoever they need to come in uh, on either side. It really depends. Obviously, in an ideal situation for the Yankees, they're not going to five. But I think if you're thinking about opportunities to use Garrett Cole, you're looking at game one and you're looking at game five in a worst case scenario. Yeah, agreed. And the other factor, too, is that these guys haven't pitched a whole game, you know, a whole 162 game season. So their arms might be a little fresher, you know, in this postseason rather than the uh, last couple or, you know, all the postseasons in, in history. And, uh, well, you haven't heard from Dan much, and he's probably a little disgusted that we've talked this long about the Yankees, but uh, just looking at the facial expressions. Uh, but, Dan, we're going to shift now into the NBA Finals. Uh, the NHL was decided the Stanley Cup, and the NBA is now into his finals. The bubble has been strong thus far. Uh, you know, obviously some instances in the beginning, but uh, not, not the league of concern right now in terms of COVID, which we'll touch on later. But the NBA – Finals, it's a, you know, it's what they want, a team in a strong market in the East with Miami and then King James and his men in L.A. And it was a dominant game one performance for L.A. When you hear this recording, 
it will obviously be uh, game two has been played. But I think the general consensus right now, and it probably will be on Sunday, is this series over, Dan? Is, is it going to be an L.A. sweep? Do the Heat have enough? Well, I'm uh, during that whole Yankee discussion, you know how, like, when you have your tape dispenser and, like, it gets stuck and you have a hard time getting the rest of the tape off? I was trying to fix that where, like, you have to, like, start a new piece of tape. I was doing that because I just heard all of this Tanaka and Cole, and I was like, you know, a few weeks ago we were smashed the panic button. Now the Yankees are doing great. So I'm happy <laughs> they're finally at peace. Um, as far as the NBA goes, um, I, I mean, after game one, it's going to be tough for the Heat to slow down Anthony Davis and really LeBron James. I mean, we talked a little bit about it um, in our show last week, the fact the Lakers have the first and second best players in this series and the Heat might have three through 15. That doesn't matter. The Lakers have the first and second best, and that's what always wins in the NBA. Very, very rarely does that not happen unless for some reason your name is Kawhi Leonard uh, this past year. So really, it, it looks like after game one, the Lakers are going to take this because who's going to guard Anthony Davis? I actually just got on my phone as well that Bam Adebayo is uh, going to be out tonight for game two. He's not expected to play. So now there's no one to guard Anthony Davis in the post unless you think Duncan Robinson can do it, which he did not do a very good job of in game one. And out on the perimeter, it's hard for Adebayo to stay with him. So it, that's really the X factor. I mean, LeBron may be the best player on the team, but in terms of matchups, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how they're going to stop AD. Looking big picture, as we always do, it's really not a game-for-game game, uh, thing, at least what NBA fans enjoy. The whole conversation has been about LeBron's legacy and this unique championship. Some calling it easier because there's no travel and LeBron's maybe in a Western conference that is easier than past years. And some calling it very difficult because these are players that are in a bubble environment, can't go out and do stuff during the day to take their mind off basketball. It's, you know, very basketball focused, which means teams are more locked in and LeBron has, you know, the Lakers, I should say, but it's always, you know, focused in on one guy, but the Lakers have dominated. But where, what do you think uh, of this LeBron championship? Does it help his legacy? Obviously would be his uh, fourth championship in total, or is it a non-factor? Well, I think that winning will definitely help. I think if he loses, there are going to be people that are like, oh, he's not the greatest of all time. Like, this is it. He doesn't have it. Um, those people can shove it, man. LeBron James is so great. So let me just ask you a question. Like anything else in life, like let's take like on my wall behind me, I have music. Let's take George Harrison and Keith Richards, the, the guitar player for the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. If you think George Harrison's better, are you going to like destroy Keith Richards? Oh, he's only the second greatest guitar player I've ever seen ever, ever pick up the instrument. No. It's ridiculous. LeBron James, if you think he's second best, okay, that's fine. I personally think he's the best, but I do not want to trash Michael Jordan. He's fantastic. If you think Jordan's the greatest, that is such a valid opinion. So, like, if LeBron loses the series, it should not destroy him. He came back from down 3-1 against the 73-9 Warriors. How can you ever have that legacy destroyed? Like I said, I'm so happy we brought this up because all week I have heard Loud sports people do exactly what I just did, but they've been like going after LeBron and it needs to end people respect LeBron. Cause he's going to be gone soon. He's 35. And then you're going to look back and be like, well, why, why didn't I respect him? You know what I mean? So 
he winning will not hurt it. I feel like losing some people will try and hurt it. Dan, yep. I think the issue that you have is that you, you have a sports opinion. I think that's <laughs> where the issue starts. You know, if you have an opinion that's different from anyone else's, you're wrong. They, you can't respect other people's opinions. It's yes or no. And it's whether I believe or whether that person believes. Yeah, you're wrong. No, uh, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And um, uh, it, it's a valid point. I mean, uh, in terms of what Dan was saying, I don't know why this world is just fascinated on not appreciating greatness. You know, I think us three all have, you know, our thoughts of, in the MJ versus uh, LeBron debate. And I know you do, Dan, but it doesn't mean you can't respect and appreciate greatness. And especially because this is the greatness we're seeing. We could go back and watch Michael Jordan or, you know, Larry Bird or whoever you want to go back and watch, but we're living in this right now. LeBron is living amongst us. And, you know, this is happening in the modern day and it's just not appreciated. uh, I don't think enough, but uh, yeah, definitely interesting. And obviously again, game two hasn't happened in terms of this recording, but when you're listening to this, we are at game three. It is tonight, 7.30 on ABC. And, uh, you know, we, we'll see. But uh, it could be one where it's a 1-1 series tie or 2-0. I'm guessing 2-0. We'll see. It might age well, but uh, age uh, wrong. But I think it'll be 2-0 Lakers. Now shift into the NFL. And before we get into picks and analysis and maybe talking about the New York sports football teams, which I just want to avoid, there was news this week of a postponement of a game the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers due to cases within the Tennessee Titans organization. I don't even know the official number as of right now. There was two more that were added uh, today. And this is a concern. You know, I'm not in terms of obviously COVID has been a concern throughout all of this, but the fact that the NBA, the NFL schedule doesn't really allow for, you know, a double header to happen or, all right, we'll make this game up on a Wednesday. It's very structured in terms of their days and the media rights. And obviously, too, the health of these players. You know, there's no bubble system in the NFL in which we've seen in the NBA and the NHL. And it, you know, it's open to more people getting COVID-19. And that's what we've seen. And it's, it's concerning. I honestly thought it was going to come sooner just because of the non-bubble. But week four is still relatively early, not uh, 20% done with the season yet. Only the two teams that played, the Jets and the Broncos, have played their fourth game. So concerning. I, I do think the NFL handled this pretty well for, you know, as we've seen sports organizations do in this, in these times where, you know, they, they told both teams, they said, at this point, uh, we're looking at the Titans getting back in their facilities on a Saturday, which obviously makes it tough to practice and tough to prepare for a game. Uh, so at that point, they said they were going to move the game back to a Monday or a Tuesday regardless. And then when we see another test positive today, that's when things, you know, kind of go go down the drain a little bit where you got to think about rescheduling games, think about moving things around. But I think that they did handle it in a fashion that is conducive to uh, the health of the players and making sure that everyone stays healthy, keeping uh, at least the Titans out of their facilities for a week. So I don't hate the decision to move games, but John, as you mentioned, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think the, the, the team that really gets screwed here is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I forget, they, I believe they now, their game – gets moved the move the game against Titans game gets moved to after the Ravens which they'll play the Ravens on a short rest uh after that so really the Titans uh, obviously you don't like to see games get moved but they're not really the ones that have to deal with this uh you know to the full extent I think it's it's a little bit worse for the Steelers and like let's just think about this headline for a second 
league where players travel gets coronavirus. Is that really that shocking? I mean, we kind of, we should have seen this coming. Um, obviously, I hope that everyone recovers. And if it's uh, anything that we should learn from this, it's people. Please wear a mask, okay? It is more effective than any vaccine you will ever receive. So have it on. If NFL players can get it, if our president can get it, then you can get it. It is still very much alive. And be careful. And this is just something we're going to have to live with in sports for a while. Yeah. And just the adjustments, it's, it's going to be hard to keep a fair season if stuff like this happens in terms of days of rest, which uh, Brennan uh, touched on. And, you know, it's again, the no bubble is just opening to this. And it's not, you know, it is a factor that maybe players not taking it as seriously as they should, but that's not 100% it, uh, the reason. There's people who take this seriously and still wind up getting it because they're put in a, you know, circumstances. So it's. Uh, I, I also just want to touch, I mean, we saw uh, with the MLB at the beginning of their uh, season, the Marlins players were going out and, you know, interacting with people at clubs and, and the Marlins and the Cardinals and the Phillies all had cases uh, on their team at the beginning of the year. So you hate to see that, but NFL rosters are double and sometimes triple the size of MLB rosters. There's so many more people on each of these teams and all it takes, we say it all the time. It, it rings true in everything that we talk about in a 2020 COVID year one bad apple ruins the bunch where you can have one person go out one person on a roster of a hundred. If you count the practice squad, you count coaches and, and everyone else who's involved with the team. One person goes out and gets infected. And all of a sudden, like we see uh, in the Tennessee Titans, it started off with three players or three personnel and one player yesterday. And it's turned into seven players and six personnel members. And I'm assuming that number is just going to go up as more and more people get tested. So it's one person ruins it for everybody. And when you have a roster, that's 65 people plus coaches, plus training staff, plus everyone else in the room, you got a bunch of people there and one person can ruin it for everyone. Yeah. And the Titans are still slated to play their week five game, but that's not written in stone either. You know, that could be moved if the cases keep, uh, you know, rising, and then the NFL is going to have to make more schedule changes, and it's it's going to be a mess to 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 say the least. But uh, definitely concerning. And as we shift from the NFL and COVID, we go into the NFL and our analysis. And we do a segment on this show if you followed from last year, uh, where we pick all the NFL games, but we give you our lock game of the or lock our upset and our game of the week picks. And the game of the week uh, is picked by us and I really didn't cons I, I picked the game but I didn't consult you guys on it probably should have done that but I think it's Patriots Chiefs absolutely 100% yeah, I, don't I, I, I like that as a choice I would agree I think uh, Cam is having a good year and obviously the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC so yeah and it will be interesting that's the 425 game on CBS and we're unanimous in our decisions. The Chiefs are, as of right now, of this recording, favored by seven. That number could obviously fluctuate uh, and be different on Sunday, so check it before you bet it. But right now, we are all having unanimous with the Chiefs picking it. And, uh, you know, I don't see a reason to not pick the Chiefs after what we've seen. Obviously, Belichick knows how to play against good teams. But he doesn't have Brady. He has Newton, who's been good this season. But today, Patriots have enough firepower, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick 
Mahomes, it's the answer <laughs> to your question, kids. Like whenever someone asks, why do we do things in life? Sometimes the answer is money. The answer to everything in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, okay? He's just better, and he's going to be better on uh, this weekend. And I think all of us are kind of thinking that as well. Anything running with the analysis at the Chiefs-Patriots that hasn't been? No, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, I yeah. talked about it at the beginning of the year. I didn't think the Chief, or I didn't think the Patriots were going to be as good as they actually are. But at the same time, uh, there's a reason that they were slated for, you know, some people saying they were going to go 4-12 and 12 this year, even with Cam Newton at the helm. So while they are a good team, I don't think they are face-to-face with some of the best teams in the AFC. And the Chiefs are the best team in the league right now, and they proved that last week with a win over the Ravens. Absolutely. Now we will go into our locks. Uh, We do have a record from the season and we'll elaborate on the end why we've been picking these games and another outlet you could get the show, but let's go into uh, the reason and decisioning between uh, before our locks. I have a lock, the Texans over the Minnesota Vikings. Houston is at home and currently as of this recording, three and a half point favorites. Again, that could shift, but both teams come in 0-3. The Vikings are coming in playing the uh, COVID-riddled Tennessee Titans, even though the uh, organization has no COVID cases. Their facilities were closed for most of this week uh, in preparation for this game. And look, I understand the Texans are 0-3, but it hasn't been Deshaun Watson. It's been mainly this defense and the teams that they've played. Uh, The Titans have had a rough schedule uh, to start. And looking at the beginning of the season, you thought a rough four weeks because the Minnesota Vikings were – uh, the division winners last year, but not the same defense this year. I think Deshaun Watson has enough to get it done versus the Vic- uh, the Vikings. They are favored by uh, three and a half, so Vegas agrees as well. But I think it's a no doubt that the Houston Texans get their first win and maybe have people in Houston calm themselves and uh, don't start off 0-4. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I think for uh, Brent and I kind of have the same and not kind of, we do have the oh. same lock this week. Uh, the Seahawks over the Dolphins. The game is in Miami, but that doesn't matter because the Dolphins smell. Okay. It's uh, the, the Seahawks are a lot better. <laughs> and so I'm going they to, pick them, especially after the way Russell Wilson played last week, I think the Seahawks are going to win. Yeah. I think, I don't think it has a lot to do with how good, the, I mean, obviously that plays in factor about how good the Seahawks are. Uh, their their passing game has been very, very good this year. Russell Wilson is probably a top five MVP candidate at this point. Um, but this, the, the Dolphins aren't that good. <laughs> I mean, to give, to give the Seahawks – or to give the Dolphins, excuse me, six and a half points uh, to be an underdog, I think that's kind of handed on a platter. I would, I would have, if you laid this out to me right now, I would have this at more than seven, which would make it – ineligible for our lock of the week but to get handed six and a half points on a silver platter like that i feel very good about that pick and the locks have been good to you two three and oh this season i'm one and two still mad at the eagles in week one for not taking care of business even though i'm a giant fan but you guys have (laughs) hot with your locks now we shift to the upset and we all have a different uh upset in this uh week four in the nfl i'll start it's colts first bears it's in chicago yet indianapolis is favored by two, but the thing that I don't think people are putting into perspective, well, yeah, the Bears are 3-0, and but it was 3-0 and behind Mitchell Trubisky, and I think that their offense is improved now because they have Nick Foles. As crazy as that seems and as big of a bust of that draft pick was for Chicago, they still did not have to suffer a loss but realized Trubisky's not the guy if they have postseason expectations this season. 
it's Nick Foles. So I think the Bears at home, even though they are an underdog, are going to take care of business. And the Bears haven't looked convincing in any of their games this season. They haven't, not going to lie. But that quarterback change is definitely going to help them. And where have the Colts looked convincing? Everyone can beat the Jets. The Jets might be the worst team in football. You know, that was the biggest, uh, the best Colts win this season. Uh, they lost to Jacksonville in week one and then handled the Vikings. But I don't necessarily see this Indianapolis Colts team as a dominant uh, factor, dominant team. Yeah, and I'm, uh, that's, that's also true. Um, what is my lock? Oh, here it is. Um, I picked uh, the Jaguars to beat the Bengals this week. The Bengals are favored by three, and uh, I think that they're going to be uh, – I think they're going to win. I picked them in week one to beat the Colts for absolutely no reason. I'm going to pick them again for absolutely no reason uh, this week. Uh, my underdog uh, for this week, my under, or my upset pick, is going to be the Browns over the Cowboys. The Cowboys – are favored by four and a half points, but I think that their defense is a sieve and uh, the Browns running game is very, very good. And I think Nick Chubb goes for 100, 150, 200, maybe 600 yards uh, in that game. Wow. So, <laughs> That's bold. Yeah. They, <laughs> I don't know about 600, but uh, not completely <laughs> off base. And the, the spread right now is Dallas four and a half. Again, that could change. Uh, and just to review, because I think I said the Bears in my lock. No, they're, they're my upset. Bears upset for me. Browns for Brennan. And Dan wrote Gardner Minshew uh, in, in what we look at in the show. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are the team that he plays quarterback for. And now we haven't touched a lot, uh, you know, really, even though we've been on for 29 minutes, the New York uh, football teams we haven't touched on, Henrik Lundqvist this week. But if you want to hear more of us and you're listening to this on time right now on VIC Radio, go to the MVP Show on YouTube, at the MVP Show on Twitter, and you could find the link on YouTube. So that's what you should be doing. Signing off, this was the MVP Show. <laughs>